0: Welcome to Y11 Audio. I'm Alex Alvarado and thank you for listening. This is Ypsilanti's College Football Podcast, and you can read Ypsilanti's College Football Newsletter at ipsy11.com. 25 to 6, Minnesota beats EMU. However, EMU covers, if you're a gambler, it's a good day for you. I'm not speaking for myself here because I didn't put any money down. I haven't gambled at all this season yet. Um, But hey, if you're one of those that said, hey, EMU is definitely going to cover this one because I know better. It's true. You do know better. 25 to 6. That is 19 points. And that'll cover. Vegas always wins. Didn't matter who won this one. Vegas always wins. Yes, it's UMass week. But yes, I have two podcasts that I have to record this week for Uh, for this newsletter or for this podcast, Y11. So let's start with one last look back at the Minnesota week. And then the next episode, we'll focus more on Minnesota. Uh, No, right now we're focusing on Minnesota. Next week, we'll focus on Massachusetts. Again, final score, 25-6. Let's look at the box score really quickly. Not that anybody really wants to hear these numbers again. However... 413 yards of total offense for Minnesota, 152 for EMU. Minnesota held the ball for about 40 minutes. EMU, of course, 20. EMU also led in penalties. Yikes. Don't like that. Not not the good kind of thing that you want to lead in. A um, couple of those were defensive pass interferences against guys that were much bigger than uh, you know EMU's defenders. And some of those, there were two that were um, illegal substitution, 12-man on the field between two plays. And like I think it was like the third quarter that happened. Really, really weird to see, especially one coming right before the very first play for Eastern's defense of the third quarter. That, that was wild to see. Um, and it's not like... It's not like EMU is uh, Toledo out there always getting penalties against them, so it was just... A little bit unorthodox to see as many penalties go against them in this game, especially the those illegal substitution ones. One I can look past. Once it happens a second time, I'm like, what the what the h? You know, Minnesota they didn't want to run the ball. They didn't want to throw the ball. I'm sorry, they didn't want to throw the ball two thirds of the time like it did against Nebraska, uh, and it stuck to its script this time. Uh, 15 passes for their quarterback, uh, 10 completions. Uh, ran in the ball. They ran up the ball 56 times. Yikes. 5.5, 5.3 per carry, really. For EMU, uh, passing-wise, Austin Smith was 9 of 20, 45%, 71 yards, 3.6 per attempt. Yikes. No touchdowns. One interception. That one interception was uh, was pretty bad. Um, running the ball officially. not. I don't think this filters out any stats. I'm getting this box score through PFF. 22 carries, 81 yards for EMU. In Minnesota, 28 first downs to EMU's 9. Third downs, 8 of 13 for Minnesota, 3 of 10 for EMU. Just not good statistically. I don't think EMU played a bad football game. I don't think EMU did a bad job of having an idea that it wanted to do with and then essentially trying its best. There was a definitely... There's definitely some spots where EMU certainly wanted to look better than what it did. There's some missed opportunities on some plays. But I don't think there were enough opportunities that EMU could have taken advantage of for this game to really, really, really um, end much differently. Maybe tighter, right? Like there was an overthrow by Austin Smith uh, to Tanner canoe that a lot of people are going to think of. That should have at least been a touchdown. You know, so plays like that, nine of twenty, like does that tell you that he had many opportunities? Uh, In this game, it means that he really just did not have the chances. Like there is, there's a couple throws that he could have had back. I can think off the top of my head, three. Let's say okay, so there's the interception that was intended for J.B. Mitchell. There was the overthrow to Tanner Canoe. We already mentioned those. There was a swing pass to Jalen. That was a little bit overthrown. And then there was another one in the very first quarter. I think it was like his like first, second, maybe third throw, um, where he just, just airmailed J.B. Mitchell pretty bad. Uh, I don't think Yao Ming could have got that. But in a lot of cases, look, man, Minnesota is a really good defense. Like The defensive line caused a lot of problems for Smith. The coverage was really good. I know on one, I don't know if, I think it resulted in a sack. I can't remember. You know, there was a mesh play where one of the receivers, I don't remember which one it was. I'm not going to rewind to watch it right now. One of the receivers tripped up. Smith was about to throw it, and then he had to hold back, watch the pocket collapse right in front of him, ran away, and then, yeah, I think he was taken down right after that uh, and couldn't, couldn't reset to get a good throw off. So there were some instances where like the opportunities were just stolen from him sometimes before, I don't know, the opportunities were just stolen from him. I mean, so through two games, you know, there were some missed opportunities in the Howard game. There were a few, very few missed opportunities in this Minnesota game. Um, the Howard game definitely presented better opportunities than this, this last one did. Over these two games, 28-48, one touchdown, two interceptions, 58% throwing, 246 yards, as long as pass was 29 yards. That was just, that was a good throw. Uh, That was one to Blake Daniels in the beginning of the second quarter against Minnesota. Again, as soon as Austin wanted to make a decision, there was a guy right in his face. I think it was 93, uh, 93 or 97. I can't remember. Um, All those guys are just really good, man. But just popped it up. popped it a little bit, fell right into the breadbasket of Blake Daniels. Uh, didn't get, you know, much further than the 29 yards. Yeah, I think that either led to no score or just a field goal. I can't remember offhand. Uh, but plays like that are pretty good. Uh, wanted to see Blake Daniels a little bit more. Generally, at this point in the in the season, one thing that I was personally hoping for, especially now that Darius Lassiter is gone, waited until after the spring to transfer out and head to BYU. Ever since he left, there's only one starting receiver returning, and that's Tanner Canoe. You knew that already, and you also knew that there were guys like, you know, Hamza El Zayat, who is waiting in the wings to come in and make his presence known. There's guys like Von Swinton, guys like um, Terry Lockett, a couple of transfers from Big Ten schools to come in and help out the receiver room. At this point, we're kind of hoping, all right, sure. Missing pieces at wide receiver. But wide receivers, you know, respect them. It's a replaceable position in some capacity. You can find a lot of talented, skilled receivers. You you really can. That's why there's everybody's got at least three pretty decent ones. EMU's got a lot of decent ones. Does it have that true X? Does it have that true X where, like Lasseter you could depend on him and have guys like him command a drive think back to that potato bowl think back to that drive where he had three catches for what was it like 96 yards on that drive you know as good as tanner is as reliable as his hands are he's not the biggest body out there sorry that was my phone falling out of my pocket he's not the biggest body out there that's going to really give a lot of cornerbacks, a ton of problems. You know, he's not a guy where third and 12 uh, linemen's in Austin Smith's face again because things fell apart at the O-line. Can't really chuck it up and hope that Tanner Canoe is going to win a 50-50 ball in contact with a with a cornerback or maybe through double coverage. He doesn't have that size. He doesn't have that strength. He's got the speed. He's got strength. He's got he, ha- he has his moments where he can make acrobatic catches. And I, I expect to see more of that, too. And I'm, ex- I'm excited for when those catches come in. However, is he going to be the guy that you trust in to really lead an offense from the perimeters and drive downfield with because he can win 50-50 balls like, you know, with consistency? Obviously, that was not the case. Yes, Tanner did, you know, do a good job. Yes, Tanner is far and away leading this this team in receiving. Against Minnesota, they really wanted to come out throwing. They really, really wanted to come out, get to a quick lead, and not have to play from behind, which obviously ended up being the case. But that game plan would have been much better to go with if it would have had a Darius Lassiter, if it would have had a guy who's, you know, that stereotypical 62210 receiver on the outside that gives problems to all the 510 cornerbacks out there. Eastern doesn't have that right now. Eastern has a lot of guys with a lot of potential. Eastern has a lot of guys that have a lot of speed. Eastern has a lot of guys that it believes in down the down the road. But Eastern didn't have guys outside of Tanner Canoe that it really really wanted to throw to against, you know, teams like Minnesota and those are the teams where you need that big-bodied receiver. Tanner Canoe was targeted seven times, four catches, 21 yards. Seven yards after catch. J.B. Mitchell had zero catches. Von Swinton, zero catches. Hamze el just one catch for six yards. I'm sorry, one catch for seven yards, six yak. And then Blake Daniels, of course, two catches, 33 yards. Um your Getzinger, singer five yards samson evans out of the running back position one catch five yards on a check down i think emu's offense can score points i think emu's offense has done a lot of good work i'm hoping um that's been brewing in the tight end room i've talked about it you know before i think that we've seen a little bit out of daniels we've seen a little bit out of max reese i think those guys are going to be growing into their roles more in this offense as the season goes on. I think they'll grow more as receivers, especially. Um, that at least is the—I think that's the playbook for the season. That's my read on the situation. And it'd be great if multiple tight ends can be really good receiving threats for this team. I think it would it would do wonders. it also do wonders if there was an ex-receiver. If there was a true X. Doesn't have to be a receiver who's as good as Deontay Johnson was, you know, when he was doing his thing at Toledo. You know, that, that's a kind of receiver who, even though he doesn't, he didn't have all the size in the world, was a true X. EMU has receivers who are pretty good with or without size. But some of them don't really have the size. And in a lot of cases, you kind of need that size. Now, against Minnesota in, you know, just average passing situations, yeah, you know, having a big-bodied receiver out there definitely would have been really, really helpful. But if Darius Lasser never would have left, I don't think the score is... maybe Maybe it's still pretty one-sided. Maybe it's tighter. But I don't think that this game is, you know, the result is because EMU didn't have a true X. But the game plan does get easier when you do have that guy. And this isn't the only time that EMU is going to want to get ahead early. So at some point, you know, some of the guys that we just haven't seen yet, somebody's really, really got to pull through in that wide receiver room. And there's definitely enough time for that to happen. You know, don't have to prove it right now. But between this week UMass next week Jacksonville state on the road two opponents that are definitely closer to the MAC caliber two opponents that you know these are the size these these are the speeds of defenses that you're going to be seeing week in week out you know once we hit MAC play you know over these next two weeks and maybe this is a topic for you know for Thursday's episode but you know over these next two weeks It it really, really, really behoove EMU to start throwing more receivers out there in game situations and prep them for the season, prep them for the max season. You know, if we're going to have Tanner, if we're going to have Hamza El-Zayed out there, throw them the ball a lot more than just a total of 10 times. And yes, 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 there's a lot else that has to happen. EMU has to stay on the field. EMU has to stay consistent with its drives. And it can't just have games where it's only snapping the ball 50, 40 times. Because obviously that's not going to get the job done either. Because if you have only 40, 50 snaps, you have to spread the ball around. You have to spread the love around. You have to let Samson carry it, Jalen catch it, Jalen run it. All these other guys do their things. There's a lot of plays that you want to call. But for EMU to have all the other fun parts that it wants to run on offense work, it needs to have some of the chess pieces that it really wants on the field to run those plays. And I don't think I factored that in enough. I don't think I factored that in enough over the summer that EMU might have lost a really, really, big receiver this spring. And maybe I didn't understand how important Darius Laster was supposed to be to EMU's offense this year. You know, I don't don't think I I factored that too much. I shouldn't say too much. I don't think I factored that enough into projecting how this team was going to do. Again, there's still time. There's still guys that can come through. You know, maybe... EMU's plan of using more tight ends diversely, creatively, maybe that'll eventually pay off. But right now, the growing pains of that tight end room and the you know the new faces through wide receiver, it, it, the passing game just hasn't been there for a myriad of reasons. You got to have the X. We we got to find an X. Who is it going to be? Who is going to win those 50-50 balls moving forward? Who is going to be that guy that Austin Smith is going to reflexively throw to when his ass is on the line, when it is third and nine when he is on his own 40yard line and he is down by five at home on maybe the last drive of the game against, I don't know, another Mac West foe. Western because they're at home. I was going to say Toledo, but we're on the road there. But you get my point. I think Tanner Canoe and I think Hamze Elzai, I think they're fine receivers. I think, you know, and I'm really excited for the season that Hamze is about to bring. And Tanner, like I said, very acrobatic catches, you know, makes a lot of plays out there, has earned every bit of playing time that he's gotten ever since he rose out of the walk-on ranks in 2020 and really became one of the leaders out there would love to see his productivity come back however his growth I you know he's, he's not getting much bigger out there neither is Hamzy. you know the size of these guys are the size that these guys have but some of these bigger names that want to step up and be ex receivers let's see it let's see it soon uh, on the defense I I'm liking what I'm seeing so far I thought one of the things that might have kept the game close over Minnesota or at Minnesota. I thought the new way of playing the defense was going to allow for better run fill and better run support from its pass rushers. Just the way that that Leo positions played now. The way that they change up fronts odd to even at a moment's notice is, you know, it's really entertaining to watch and I really enjoy it out of Eastern. And I think it's going to be super effective moving forward. You know, going up against Minnesota, when you don't have the size, you just don't have the size, all right? It's 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 hard to keep up defensively when you're not doing that. And, and when the offense isn't matching and the point totals, it makes things really, really tough. But that defense hung in there, man. Yes, they gave up way too many yards, but Minnesota didn't put 30 points on the board. Minnesota got a lot of yards. It got to the red zone a lot and you'd rather see a team stay out of the red zone of course but even when EMU's defense didn't do plan A plan B looked pretty good for them you know plan B meaning uh back up out of the end zone back up out of here back up i mean sure 5 of 6 in red zone trips not great to read on paper like that but the way you watch this defense just swarm and not get fooled in the red zone, make them play tight, make them play crisp, smart. I like the way EMU's defense looked. I like the way that it showed toughness. I like the way it showed guts. I think if you show those defensive series to anybody and saw, hey, yes, there were too many rushes, but just watch how this team... Put up a fight in the red zone. I think most people would be very impressed with how EMU played. 5 I'm sorry. Six trips to the red zone. Five scores. The very first trip was a turnover on downs. Three field goals. Two touchdowns. That last one, Minnesota could have very... If they wanted to make that a touchdown instead of a field goal, they very well could have... Um All they had to do was just hand it off instead of pass it, but they were trying to give their quarterback one more rep. Totally understandable, um, but I digress. That's a really good fight at the end, man. That's a really good fight for EMU's defense. Now, what you don't want is is for us to keep saying, yeah, I like the way EMU's defense played, but yeah, they keep allowing five yards per rush. That's not a good place to be in. It happened against Minnesota, and it happened against Howard. I think they finished at like 4.9, something like that. A lot of explosive yards, explosive rushes out of Howard. Uh, Not too many explosive plays in this uh, this contest. 3% explosive play rate out of Minnesota, 2% again for EMU. That's per game on paper.com. Success rate on offenses, Minnesota 53%, EMU 36%. But EMU's defense, havoc rate, havoc rate, which includes tackles for loss, sacks, stops, pass breakups, interceptions, turnovers. 14% from Eastern Michigan, 8% from Minnesota. I just spent all this time talking about how good Minnesota's defense did, which it did. But EMU, which you know had more defensive plays to work with, was in the 76th percentile for Havoc Rate. That's a that's a damn decent day. That's a damn decent day. Yes, there are the positive plays that Minnesota's offense ran, including that havoc rate. And yes, there's a lot of the goal line stands in that fourteen percent havoc rate. That's that's actually really good, man. That's I think the term "bend don't break" gets thrown around a lot, and I don't really know. Uh, we we gotta have like a grid or something of like, you know, here's the y-axis, here's x-axis. We we got to figure out how to determine and plot which teams are Ben Don't Break and which are and and what what's the opposite of that? Just like points but no yards? I don't know. I I have no idea. Yeah, Minnesota. I'm not surprised to tell you after this, after rewatching the game a few times. And I'm sorry to say this, because, you know, some people just took the the week one games and was like, oh, man, this is definitely a crystal ball of what's, what's to come in week two. Oh, yeah, I didn't see anything impressive out of Minnesota-Nebraska. Yeah, no, and, and that's that's the Minnesota we're facing? Oh, yeah, we got this in the bag because they'll only score 10 points against us or 13 points against us. You guys. I'm excited for upsets when they happen to, except for NIU-Boston College. I was not excited for that. <laughs> and now, I, now saying that, like I said that in real time, and then they lost to an FCS squad. Man, funniest sport ever. Sure, maybe you didn't see anything out of that Minnesota-Nebraska game that was going to... Make you really worried heading into the week two game, but you got to stop taking these short small sample sizes and treating them like crystal balls like this, like they're the ultimate truth serums. These teams are not laying it out all on the table immediately. They have some cards that they have to keep close to the chest. If we're opening up against the biggest state rival, yeah, maybe you want to show more creativity And Maybe this is those are the games that you really really practice all year for But this is just a physicality game. This is all right all 11 of you line up The 11 of the rest of you line up Arm wrestling contests across the board. Let's see how we do you figure out who's weak and who's got to get better and you move on from there EMU is not gonna play Minnesota again this year EMU might be able to play a team as tough as Minnesota again this year. I don't know what, you know, I don't know how the rest of the season is going to go. Don't know what both seasons are going to bring. Who knows? But for all intents and purposes, just looking at the rest of the games that are on the schedule right now, this is going to be, that's the toughest opponent. All right. At least the defense that might be the Absolute toughest and hardest defensive test EMU's offense will face all year. No, you don't love the end results. Yes, you wish you could have seen more. But if you know that's as bad as it's going to get, then you should also know that things should probably start looking better pretty soon. And thank you for listening to another episode of Y11 Audio. If you like what I do, hit subscribe. If you love what I do, all I ask for is $6 a month, and you can get it all at ipsy11.com. I'm Alex Alvarado, and thanks again.